Welcome to Living the Bible Together. This is Dr. Troy Shaw, pastor of the Liberty Hill Church, internationally headquartered in Columbus, Ohio, located at 4410 Refugee Road. We worship here online Sundays at 11 a.m. We celebrate communion on the first Sunday of each month. Our Bible study is on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. For additional information, log on to livingthebibletogether.org. Join us here weekly as we're living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry. Good evening, Liberty Hill. Tonight's Bible study will be coming out of 1 Samuel chapter 12, and I'll be teaching out of the NI version. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you yet again for another opportunity to come into your presence to study your word. Open every ear to hear and every heart to receive all that it is that you would have for us to receive. And so it is in your son Jesus' name that I pray this prayer. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Samuel said to all Israel, I have listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I am old and gray and my sons are here with you. I have been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I have done any of these things, I will make it right. You have not cheated or oppressed us, they replied. You have not taken anything from anyone's hands. Samuel said to them, the Lord is witness against you and also his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. He is witness, they said. Then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your ancestors up out of Egypt. Now then stand here because I am going to confront you with evidence before the Lord as to all the righteous acts performed by the Lord for you and your ancestors. After Jacob entered Egypt, They cried to the Lord for help, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, so he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazar, and into the hands of the Philistines and the king of Moab, who fought against them. They cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned, we have forsaken the Lord, and served the Baals and Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hands of our enemies, and we will serve you. Then the Lord sent Jerubal, Baal, Barat, Jatha, and Samuel, and he delivered you from the hands of your enemies all around you so that you lived in safety. But when you saw that Nash, Naash, king of the Ammonites, was moving against you, you said to me, No, we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord your God was your king. Now here is the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if you both, if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord, and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your ancestors." 
Now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest? Now, I will call on the Lord to send thunder and rain. And when you realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord, when you asked for a king, then Samuel called on the Lord. And that same day, the Lord sent, sent thunder and rain. So all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. The people all said to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servant so that we will not die. For we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. Do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you, because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet, if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. So endeth the reading. We find the end of an heir and the beginning of an heir. The end of the heir is Israel had previously been governed by judges. And so the period of judges has come to an end. The era of judges, of being governed by judges, has come to an end. They are now in the beginning of a new era, and that new era is being, gov they are being governed now by a monarchy. Similar to Israel, we as the people of the United States, we have come to the end of with regarding our president, we have come to the end of the Trump era and we are now in the beginning stages of a new era with our current president, Joe Biden. But not only have we experienced this as the people of the United States, but also many of us in our own individual lives are experiencing the end and or the beginning of a era. Many of us are experiencing the end of something and or the beginning of something. Something is coming to a close and something is at its beginning stages. Something is emerging. Something new is emerging. But here in the text, not only do we find the end of an heir or the beginning of an heir, but sandwiched between the two, we have Samuel farewell speech. Samuel is Israel's last judge. Again, we have that that period of judges is now going away. It has end and Samuel is wanting to address Israel in a farewell speech. It's important for us to understand that this farewell speech is not Samuel leaving Israel or leaving the country this is simply a farewell speech of him leaving his position as judge. There's a, there's a few things that Samuel has on his heart to say, and it is here that he is addressing Israel in this farewell speech. Samuel realizes that his time as judge or serving in that role has come to an, a close, 
He understands the season that Israel's in. He understands that they are now in a new, they are in the beginning stages of a new era. And so here he is addressing Israel. Look at verse one. It says, Samuel said to all Israel, he says, I've listened to everything you said to me. He tells them he said a king over them like they had asked. And now he tells them now that king, he, you have a king as your leader. And as for me, I'm old and gray. My sons are here with you. I've been your, he tells them how he's been their leader from his youth until this day. And then he says, here I stand. And he tells them, testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. And when when he says his anointed, he's talking about their new king, King Saul. He goes and he goes on in this speech he goes on to tell them he says to them he asked them he says whose ox have i taken whose donkey have i taken whom have i cheated whom have i oppressed then he goes on to says from whose hand have i accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes in this farewell speech he's conducting an audit he wants to give an account for his time as serve you know his service as judge over israel And so he's asking them all these questions. You know, he's asking, whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? As he's making his exit from the office of judge, he's asking for an account. He's asking them, you know, he wants to know, have I cheated anybody? Or who have I cheated? Or who have I oppressed? You know, have I, who have I taken any bribes from? He's asking all of these questions because he also says, as we look here, it says, if I have done any of these things, I will make it right. And so he's giving the people opportunity to share with him of anything that he may have done wrong. He's telling them, if I have cheated you, you know, I want to make it right. If I have taken anything from you, if I have oppressed you, tell me, tell me, I want to make things right. This exemplifies a great leader. There are leaders who we have seen in previous chapters that didn't do right. They were stealing. The sons of Eli, they were stealing. They were mismanaging the Lord's offering. They were, um, uh, it would be, they were conducting, they were abusing their office. But here Samuel's saying is, he said, he's asking them, who have I done anything to? If I've done anything to anybody, I want to make it right. Samuel is not trying to think that he was this perfect leader. He's not giving that off here. He he simply, because although we will see that Samuel, he didn't do any of these things. He didn't cheat anybody. He didn't oppress anybody. He didn't accept bribes. He wanted to make sure that he didn't do any of these things because there's times where we can think that we've done everything right. And then there's times where we might discover that we we didn't do everything right. So he's asking them, he's asking them, if I've done anything wrong, give me this opportunity. I want to make it right. Not just give me this opportunity. He said, I want to make it right. That's just that's big of him right there. I want to make it right. How many of us are willing to make it right? We are not perfect people, but although we will find that Samuel is not guilty of any of these things, there's oftentimes there's people that are guilty of things, people that hold leadership offices. 
whether it's in church or whether it's on your job. How many of us can give an account for the time that we served in a certain role and ask these same questions like, have I done anything to you? If anything that I've done wrong to you, tell me, I wanna make it right. Because there's times that perhaps we might have done something to someone or offended someone and we don't know that we've done it. But here, like Samuel is doing, he's giving an account, he's asking the questions, you know, Yes, I served in this leadership role, but have I done anything wrong? Before he makes his exit, as he's making his exit, he wants to know, have I wronged anybody? Because if I have, I wanna make it right. How many of us can do the same thing? How many of us can, can desire to wanna make things right on our way out the door? Samuel is on his way out of the role as judge but he still wants to make things right if he has done anything that has offended him or it has, if he has done anything, whether it was cheating anybody, oppressed anybody, or taken a bribe, he wants to make it right. Oftentimes, people who are leaving certain roles or position could care less about making things right. They leaving out the door, why make it right? Especially people that have gotten another job. They don't take time to stop and say, you know what, although I got this new job, I still want to know, you know, did I do everything right? Did I offend anybody? Can we, like Samuel, before we exit that position or that role, can we stop and take an account for that role, that time that we served in that role? Can we ask the right questions? Because in our minds, we might think that we've done everything right. But we may be leaving behind someone who has been who has felt cheated by us, who has felt oppressed by us, or who has been mishandled by us. But Samuel says, if I've done any of these things, I will make it right. And so in verse four, the people says, they respond to Samuel. They said, you have not cheated or oppressed us. They reply, you have not taken anything from anyone's hands. Samuel said in verse five, Samuel said to them, the Lord is witness against you and also his anointed, speaking about King Saul, is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they respond, he is witness, they said. And so Samuel has conducted this audit. He is given an account of his time as serving as Israel's judge. And he has asked people, you know, he wanted to know if he's done anything wrong. If he has, he's going to make it right. They, they testify to it. They are a witness to him. They reply to him and says, you have not done anything wrong. You haven't taken anything from anybody's hands. And so Samuel said, Lord is witness against you. And also his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. So it is here that no fault has been found in Samuel. Samuel has not cheated anybody. He, while he was in office serving as judge, he has not oppressed anybody. He has not taken any bribes. He has not stolen anything from anybody. He has done a great job serving as judge. Samuel is not at fault. He is not at fault for this close of this heir. Again, he is the last judge of Israel. He was a good judge. He done everything that he was supposed to do. Um, no fault was found in him. 
but even still it is the it is the end of his office is the end is the close of an heir samuel is not at fault it was nothing he done to cause israel to no longer want to be governed by judges it was no fault of his own he did everything he was supposed to do and even though he done everything he was supposed to do as he served in that office Israel still wanted a king. And because of their desire, their desire kick-started the beginning of a new era. It kick-started, it caused one era to close and it kick-started a new era to begin. It was no fault of Samuel. Samuel did nothing wrong. It was not his fault that Israel no longer wanted to be governed by judges. He did a great job. He did everything that he was supposed to do. But because Israel had a desire, because they wanted what other nations had, it led to the end of Samuel governing as a judge. He no longer will be serving in this role. No fault of his own. He did everything he was supposed to do. From his youth all the way up until this point, there was no fault found in him. He done everything by the book. But even though he did everything by the book, it did not stop him from losing his position as judge. And so, again, Samuel is giving his farewell speech. He starts with asking them, you know, have I done anything wrong? Whatever I've done, let me correct it. They respond. He finds out, nope, you ain't done nothing wrong. And he tells them, you know, let this serve as a witness uh, with you and you're in front of your king. Basically, what he is saying to them is, all right, you're a witness that I've asked you these questions. I've asked you, you know, have I done anything wrong? Have I done this? Have I done that? You have told me that I'm not at fault. And so he says that you have not found anything in my hand. And they say he is witness. They said, and then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your ancestors up out of Egypt. Now then stand here because I'm going to confront you with evidence before the Lord as to all the righteous acts performed by the Lord for you and your ancestors. And then he goes on and talks about after Jacob entered Egypt, they cried to the Lord for help and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought them and their ancestors out of Egypt. So here we in this part of Samuel's farewell speech he is giving before he was asking he was doing and he was conducting an audit if you will and now he is moving on through his speech he is now giving a history lesson if you will he is sharing with them you know the story about Jacob and um, after Jacob entered Egypt and how the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help while they were in bondage the Lord sent a deliverer they sent he sent Moses and Aaron who brought their ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in the place that they are in 
He goes on to tell them how they have their ancestors have forgot the Lord, their God. And then so he sold them into the hand of Sisera and the commander of the army of Hazar and into the hand of the Philistines and the kings of Moab who fought against him. And then how they cried out to the Lord. We have sinned. And um, they have repented and said that they have, you know, they cried out to the Lord and said that they have forsaken the Lord and served Baals and Ashtoreth. Um, but then he, they asked him that uh, they asked the Lord, even though we've done all this heat, they're asking him to deliver them out of the hands of the enemy and the Lord sends a deliverer. And so as he's moving through this speech, he's sharing with them the history of how of God's faithfulness, but he's also sharing the history of their unfaithfulness. He shares how it has been a repetitive thing where he blesses Israel and then they turn their back on God. They forsake God. They go after other idols. The Lord KG, they go after these other gods and they serve these other gods. And then when they do this, the Lord allows them to fall in the hands of their enemy. And then even still after they fall into the hands of the enemy. When they call out to God and cry out to God, God continues to rescue, continues to rescue. He rescues them, they mess up. He rescues them, they mess up. He rescues them, they mess up. And this has been an ongoing thing with the people of Israel. And so Samuel is here uh, giving them a history lesson of the history of the relationship between Israel and God, this repetitive, this constant cycle of forsaking God, them on their side, their unfaithfulness, how they do good for a minute, then they'll forsake God. And then they'll cry out to God. God delivers them. He's always sending a deliverer to deliver them out of the hands of their enemies. And like the people of Israel, many of us can see this pattern in our within our own life where we have at times we have forsaken God. We have left God. And then when we get in trouble, we call out to God and God delivers us constantly caught in this web, this cycle where God delivers us from a certain situation. And then next thing you know, we find ourselves back in it again. We cry out to God. We repent. God delivers us. Next thing you know, we back in it again. It's a constant cycle. So this is not what we are seeing here with the people of Israel. This isn't something new. This has been going on for years over and over. God's people forsaken him. God's people mess up. God's people cry out to God. What does God do as a good father, as the good father that he is? He delivers us. Yes, we may have to suffer some what we have to suffer the consequences of our action, but God continues to deliver us. There is nothing that God will not deliver us from. All we have to do is call out to him. There are consequences to our actions. Because Israel suffered many consequences. Every time that they forsaken the Lord, they were in bondage. They were they suffered oppression from the enemy. But even when they were in that, even when they were going through that, all they had to do was call out to God. And guess what? God comes to the rescue. The same is true for us. No matter how many times we fall, no matter how many times we turn our backs on God, when we call out to God and we say, Lord Jesus, help us, we ask God to deliver us. God is faithful to deliver us. And so in verse 11, as it talked about how 
the cycle that Israel had been in and how God sent all these deliverers to deliver Israel out of the hands of their enemies and brought them into safety. And so then as we look in verse 12, it says, but when you saw, this is where Samuel now is in the Pharaoh speech, he says he moves on from the history lesson of, you know, their unfaithfulness um, of how they have been, how they and their ancestors have been unfaithful, but God continues to be faithful even in their unfaithfulness. Samuel moves on, he says, but when you saw the Nahash king of the Ammonites was moving against you said to me no we want a king to rule over us so even though God had been faithful to him and although God was their king when they saw that Nahash king of the Ammonites was moving against them they asked they said no we want a king to rule over us even though the Lord your God was your king this is what Samuel was saying to them you wanted a king to rule over you. When you saw the king of the Anamites moving against you, you said, no, we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord, your God, was your king. And so in verse 13, he says, now here is the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. Again, the end of an heir. No longer are they being governed by judges. Samuel was the last judge of Israel. They are no longer being governed by him. They now have a king that is set in place. This is the new heir. This is the beginning of the new heir. They are now in a new heir. And now they have a king who is over them. But then Samuel goes on in verse 14. He says, if you fear the Lord and serve him and obey him and do not rebel against his commands. And if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord. Good. But if you do not obey the Lord and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your ancestor. Just like God has not changed. He requires obedience. And so here, Samuel, even though they messed up and they asked for this king, and even though God warned them of what having a king would mean, and even though they didn't yield to his warning and they still wanted what they wanted, they wanted this king, even still, even though God granted them this king who was not part of his plan for them, this is something they desired, they wanted. And so he granted it to them, even after he had warned them against it, he granted them their desire. But Samuel here is saying that, if you fear the Lord and serve him and do not rebel against him and his can, his commands, he's talking to both Israel and King Saul, who reigns over the people of Israel. And if you follow the Lord, good. But he tells them, he warns them. But if you do not obey the Lord and if you rebel against his command, his hand will be against you as it was your ancestors. So he's giving here in his farewell speech, he's giving this warning. He's telling them. Yeah, you messed up. You asked for a king, but don't rebel against God. Follow his commands. And if you do this, if you obey him, this will be good for you. But if you don't, and if you rebel against his command, he's talking to the people and Saul. This ain't just for the people. This is for the people and the king. The king is not exempt from this. And so he says, if you obey, good. But if you don't, 
the Lord's hand will be against you as it was your ancestor. And so then Samuel moves on and says in verse 16, he says, now then stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest now? He says, I will call on the Lord to send thunder and rain and you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. Then Samuel called on the Lord and that same day the Lord sent thunder and rain. So all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. And so it is here in Samuel's farewell speech that he tells them to stand still to see this great thing the Lord is about to do. And so what is happening here is Samuel is requesting of God. He's going to request of God to give this sign in the sign as proof that what he is saying to them is authentic. What he is saying to them is what is true. So he's asking God, he's asking God for a sign and this sign will serve as proof that what they have asked for, that when they had asked for a king, they will, when they see this sign, they are going to realize that what an evil thing they did in the eyes of the Lord. And so Samuel has them standing here. He tells them to stand still to see this great thing that the Lord is about to do. And it is this thing that he's requesting of the Lord. He's asking the Lord to send thunder and rain. And in asking for this thunder and rain, again, it's going to serve as proof that what that them asking for a king was evil in the sight of the Lord. But not only that, we will also see in verse 17, he talks about, he says, is it not wheat harvest now? And so they are in a season where it's time for the wheat harvest. This is a season of wheat harvest. This would be between like late May and June. So this is wheat harvest. So during this season of wheat harvest, Samuel is calling on the name of the Lord to send thunder and rain. And so he does this. He's asking, he's asking the Lord to send this rain. And he has the people standing around and the people are standing in awe of the Lord. And so in verse 18, it says, Samuel called on the Lord. And that same day, the Lord sent thunder and rain. And so all the people stood in awe of the Lord. And so the sign that was given was um, he was asking the Lord to send was thunder and rain. So this sign will be seen and heard. People will be able to see it happening. Not only will they be able to see it, they will hear it happen. So this sign that is given, that is being given to the people, they will be able to see it and hear it. Make no mistake. When the Lord sends a sign, you will not be able to miss this sign, Israel. He's, you're going to be able to see it and hear it. You will see this thunder and this rain. You will hear the thunder. You will see the rain. And this will serve as a sign that what you ask and you asking um, the Lord for a king, this was evil. This was an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord. And so as they are, as the people of Israel are witnessing this thunder and this rain, they are standing in awe of the Lord and Samuel. 
And then verse 19, it says, the people all said to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we will not die. For we have added to all our other sins, the evil of asking for a king. It is here that they, it is here through this sign that the Lord has granted. It is here through the sign of this, of these thunder and rain that they have now come to the understanding. They are coming to a place of repentance and no, they are coming to a place to now they are realizing that when they asked for this king, that what they were asking for was evil in the sight of the Lord. They are coming to understand that this was not cool. This was evil. But check out what Samuel says. Look at verse 20. He says to them, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. But then he says, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Verse 21, do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you because they are useless for the for the sake of his great name. The Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. It is here in the speech that Samuel encourages the people of Israel that even though they have done all this evil, he says, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Don't um, go after these useless idols because they ain't no good. They can't rescue them because they are useless. And so he's encouraging them, even though you've you've done this messed up thing, even though you've asked for this king, even still do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. He's not excusing the fact that they asked for a king. He's encouraging them that even though you've done this evil thing, do not turn away from the Lord, but serve him with all your heart. And the same is true for us. There's some things that we have, some decisions that we have made, some things that we have requested for God that was not right. But even still, it is what it is. We've done what we've done. But even, even in that, like Samuel is telling the people of Israel, even though we have done these evil things, yet do not turn. We should never turn away from the Lord but to serve the Lord with all our hearts. Yes, we've made, messed up. It is what it is. We cannot cancel out that we should still serve the Lord. And then verse 22, Samuel moves on and says, for this, the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. So even though Israel rejected the Lord as their king, he didn't turn and do the same thing. Because for his name's sake, the great name of the Lord, he will not reject his people because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. Oh my God, that's wonderful. No matter how raggedy we've been, no matter how we have forsaken God, how we have rejected him, just like Israel, they have rejected him. They wanted a human king. They didn't, they didn't, they disregarded the fact that he was their king and how he had been faithful to them over the years, even with their relatives and their ancestors, how it has been a constant cycle of their unfaithfulness. But even still, he will not forsake them. He will not reject them because the Lord was pleased to make you them his own and just like he is pleased to make them israel the people of israel his own he is pleased to make us his own that is that speaks volumes 
as raggedy and messed up that we are, and as many as times as we have forsaken God or has veered off the path that leads to righteousness, he still, he will not reject his people because he was pleased to make us his own. And so then, verse 23, Samuel says, As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And then he goes on and says, And I will teach you the way that is good and right, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with your heart, with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. It is here that Samuel's character speaks even greater volume because although he has been moved out of that role of being a judge, although that the time, the period of judges, that era has come to a close. And although he had, they have moved him out of the way and they got this new king, they are in this new era. He says, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Samuel didn't. When that role ended, when they, you know, ended that role, when they discontinued the era, of, when they discontinued the per- period of judges, Samuel continued to stay. He didn't leave. Many people, when their role has been phased out or it's been gotten rid of, especially within churches, they take you out of a particular role or phase out a role. Most people leave the church, not Samuel. They didn't do Samuel right. He was serving them all of those years from his youth all the way up until he had, you know, gotten up in age. He served Israel. But because they wanted something that someone else, like somebody else, they wanted to be like other people. They wanted to be like the nations around them. They no longer wanted a judge over them. They no longer wanted um, God to be their king. They wanted a human king. They wanted something different. But even though they phased out his role, he still was serving them. His farewell speech was that of the speak a farewell to the role of being serving as judge. He was still the Lord's prophet. He still had, he was still in position. The Lord had placed him as his prophet and he still had a duty to pray for them. He didn't, he couldn't, he didn't allow his emotions because early in the earlier chapters, we seen that he was displeased when Israel asked for a king. Even when he went to God in prayer, the Lord told him in prayer that it was not him that they was rejecting, but it was it was God that they were rejecting, which is an indication that perhaps Samuel was feeling rejected. He felt rejection from the people of Israel. But Samuel exemplifies a great leader that although his role has been phased out, although they had phased out the period of judges. He still stayed with Israel. He still served them. He still prayed for them. Samuel's been praying for Israel ever since he um, was a youth. He's been praying. He's been a praying man. Even when they mess up and they, they call on for him to pray for them, even though they have been in situations where they have forsaken God. When they call on Samuel to pray, he's there. He prays for them. He has been there for them through the good and the bad. But when his role was taken, when his position was snatched from him, he stayed the course. He didn't leave Israel. He didn't go home and just say, you know what? 
Y'all, y'all want to do this new thing? Y'all going about y'all's business. I'm done. He didn't throw in the towel. He says here, he says, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. Because failing to pray for them, it says here, it would be a sin. It would be a sin against the Lord if he failed to pray for them. And then he goes on to tell him, and I will teach you the way that is good and right. In spite of the fact that I'm not serving as your judge, I'm still going to teach you. I'm still going to show you the right way. I'm going to still teach you the way that is good and right. Can many of us say that? Can we still, when we've been kicked out of our position, when we've been removed out of a particular role, when something, when our position has been snatched from us, can we still, like Samuel say, I will teach you the way that is good and right. Can we still teach? Will we still be willing to serve people, even those who we feel have rejected us, even those who we feel have did us wrong? Can we still serve them? Can we still teach them? Can we still pray for them? Samuel still had a duty. God granted that they would now have a monarchy to reign over them. He granted them that. And even though he, God knew that Samuel's position of judges was coming to a close, he allowed that to happen. But what we see here in verse 23 is even though his role as a judge was over, his role as the of, of, of a man of God, his role as God's prophet did not end. He still had a duty. He had a he had a duty to still pray for these people. He had a duty to still teach these people. And the same is true for us. We still must serve. God may have released you from one portion of it. But he still may be requiring you to serve in another in another role. Can we still serve? Can we serve hurt? Can we serve disappointed? Can we pray? And so let's continue with this text. It says, verse 24, but be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish again. He's back on. He's saying he does not exclude leadership. He tells them, you ask for this king. But even though you ask for this king, I'm going to still pray for you. I'm still going to teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. That means take a look back. Some of us need to take a look back and consider some things, what great things that God has done for us. Yes, we've messed up, but think about, look at some of the, consider some of those things, those great things that God has done for us. Consider, think on those things. God has done so much for us. Not only has he done so much, he continues to do for us. He loves us. He loves us. But Samuel also warns him, yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will perish. There's a consequence to this. Certain things that we do have consequences and some consequences leads to destruction. Again, he says you and your king, y'all both will perish if you persist on doing evil. OK, you did evil, but you don't have to continue Israel to do evil. That's what he's saying here. 
you've done evil. You did. You, you, you messed up. You asked for a king. But even though you did that, God is not going to reject his people because it pleased him to make them his own. He's not going to reject us because it pleased him. It pleases him to make us his own. We ought to consider the great things that he has done for us. God has done some great things for us. But the greatest thing that he's ever done for us is when he sent his, when he sent his son Jesus to save us. Jesus, who died on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. The one who was buried in a borrowed tomb. The one who rose on the third day morning with all power in his hand. The one who is now seated on the right hand of his father. Who is one day, who one day is coming back again. That same Jesus, that's the good news here. Although we, we are messed up. Although we have done some crazy stuff, that same Jesus died for us on the cross of Calvary and he's coming back again. Yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the good news. The good news is because the Lord was pleased with us to make us his own because the Lord was pleased to make us his own. That's why he doesn't reject us. Well, that concludes our Bible study this evening. I pray that you um, have a great rest of the week. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. This has been another broadcast of Living the Bible Together with Dr. Troy Shaw from the Liberty Hill Church, where we worship virtually on Sundays at 11 a.m. For more information or to contribute to this ministry, please visit us online at livingthebibletogether.org. God bless you and have a great week. Liberty Hill, living the Bible together through education, missions, and ministry.